0: Thank you, thank you very much everyone and welcome to the Boys of Tech, episode number 77 for Monday the 2nd of August 2010. Your hosts are Edwin Herman, that's me, and Brett King who joins me over Skype. Welcome along Brett. Howdy. We've got a guest this week. He's a web developer, a blogger and a student all rolled into one and if that's not enough, he's also a muso, plays a guitar in a band. His name is Sam Dalton. Welcome Sam. Hello, thanks for having me. It's all right. It's our pleasure. Thanks for joining us. Now, Sam, uh, just a little bit about your music. Uh, you play the guitar.
1: That's right. Yeah.
0: In, in a band. You've been making music since for how long? Uh, about four years, I'd say. And how would you describe your music? What's, what sort of music do you do? We try and go for sort of a
1: 70s rock, but it sort of varies quite a bit around that.
0: I mean, that's, kind of, that's my kind of music. Do you guys play, do live gigs? Um, we've played a couple of birthday parties, but that's about it. Right. Oh, okay. Well, maybe next birthday party, we'll get you down to Wellington and have a bit of a, yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, in fact, I'll tell you what, we'll put a little bit of your music in the uh, podcast towards the end. So, uh, as long as you you don't sue us for copyright or anything like that. (laughs) 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 Good stuff. (laughs) Now, Sam, we got you on the show. In fact, we, we picked you out almost by random. We looked on Twitter for a New Zealander who had purchased an iPhone because the iPhone was released in New Zealand uh, just this Friday, Friday just been. And yeah. a, a tweet from you came up and, well, we, we got in touch with you and you agreed to come on. So you're a Kiwi iPhone 4 owner. Is that right? Indeed. Indeed I yeah. Great. And that's, in fact, that's what I want to, want to kick off on. The iPhone 4, as we know, was originally released on the 24th of June in the US, uh, Europe Big Three, which is the UK, France and Germany and japan as well but on last friday it was released in 17 additional countries one of them being new zealand where this podcast originates and sam what made you go out and buy the iphone 4 do you just buy anything that's apple or um well this
1: is the first time i've actually gone out and bought something the day it came out um i had the iphone 3g and unfortunately updated that to um, iOS 4 which sort of turned it into a bit of a brick.
0: Ah, yeah, now we <laughs> yes. heard reports of that. So, yeah, yeah. Is, There's a lot oh. of, reports of that. So, is it really slow with an iOS 4?
1: It's well, I have a friend with the 3GS and we did sort of side-by-side comparisons. Um, it it on it took about a minute longer. Oh wow. Email took about 10 seconds longer. And just
0: yeah. Uh, that's that's not usable. That's not usable. Uh, hi. So, can you roll them back? Um,
1: I, there's a thing you can do where you, um, it's a firmware reset and then you just reinstall it um, from scratch. And I did that, but it may have made it 10% faster, but it didn't really help it much.
0: So it's, it's not as fast as it was out from the factory.
1: No, definitely much slower.
0: Wow. So your solution is to go buy the iPhone <laughs> 4. Yes. So how did you buy it? Did you buy, did you go to Vodafone store or? Well, it was all a bit confusing as you may have seen. Um, <laughs> yeah,
1: I, yeah, I was on Twitter on Thursday night, seeing what everyone was saying about it. And there was reports that it was going to be at JV hi-fi, that it wasn't going to be at JV hi-fi, that, um, it was going to be at Vodafone stores or it wasn't going to be at Vodafone stores. I got a bit bored. So set my alarm for 6am, uh, prepared to go after from queue, but I checked the Twitter again at six and there was reports that it wasn't going to come out. Um, someone took a photo of, um, a sign outside the, the Wellington Vodafone store, which said they weren't going to have any in today. So that kind of put me off. Um, so I ended up going into town about 11 o'clock, um, walking up Queen Street, and I saw a queue starting to form around a Vodafone store. Um, and funnily enough, that was um, where they had iPhones. So I just stood in line and waited there for four hours. Oh, God, wow. that's, <laughs> that's dedication.
0: <laughs> so you actually, how, how big was the line? Was it, how many people are we talking about?
1: When I got there, there's maybe 60 people in front of me um, about for about an hour,
0: there was maybe a hundred people behind me. Wow! So, so there is there was quite a a lot of interest, especially given the fact that, as you say, there was that confusion. And I saw the same tweets actually. I, yeah, I saw rumours that uh, you know it would be at JB. I saw the same the same thing, you know, and that it wasn't going to be at Vodafone, and then no, it will yeah. be at Vodafone, but uh, maybe not today. <laughs> uh,
2: I do and, not know why Apple did that. What was their marketing plan to make you know all of the people who could possibly sell iPhones and not allow them to say whether or not they were or were not going to be selling an iPhone. Yeah, now that seems odd. means people cannot plan for these things. I mean, yeah, you you end up just wandering around hoping to run into a queue.
0: So Sam, <laughs> did you ask them when you bought the phone about that?
1: Um, I did ask briefly um, and basically they had no idea. The shop attendants, they weren't told anything. They didn't even know that morning that they were going to be selling them.
0: Oh, really?
2: Yeah. Ah, oh, it's a shambles. Shame on you Apple PR. Shame on you.
0: <laughs> well, I tend to agree with you, bro. That's crazy. Uh, because <laughs> I mean, Apple is the one company that generates all the sort of hype, but you can only get that hype if you tell people where the products are going to be. Exactly. Yeah. So this is bizarre. It does, it's really weird. And they <laughs> now I understand they they sold out completely that day in New Zealand.
1: Yeah, um, as I said, I was about, there was about 60 people in front of me. And when I was about 10 people from the, in, from the front of the queue, they came out and said, look, we've got 10 left. That's it. And they gave us a card that they'd signed so they knew that we'd been waiting. And at that point, there was maybe 30 people behind me. And they were all very angry and irate and you know, demanding them, why didn't you tell us earlier and all of that. So they just had to leave.
0: Well, wow, so you're one of, the, one of the last few to actually get the phone.
1: Yes, and when... I was I was with a friend and he got one as well and he asked them how many they actually had and they said fifty six.
0: Fifty six. That's not a lot. No, so this the... is in Queen Street. This is in Central Auckland.
1: Yeah, the the main Vodafone store on Queen Street. So this would
0: be the biggest Vodafone store in Auckland, oh, God. would it? Well, the busiest, I suppose it would be, wouldn't it? Yeah. And so oh, that's the busiest ridiculous. Vodafone store in the biggest city in New Zealand only had fifty six iPhones.
2: <laughs> Man. <laughs> Oh, that is so ridiculous.
0: I wonder if they're just not able to manufacture them fast enough. And of course, as you'd imagine, I mean, if you look at the 17 countries they released on that date were Australia, Austria, Belgium, Canada, Denmark, Finland, Hong Kong, Ireland, Italy, Luxembourg, Netherlands, Norway, uh, Singapore, Spain, Sweden, and Switzerland, as well as New Zealand. Uh, With the exception of probably Luxembourg, I'd say the rest are all a lot bigger than us, so we would get the last pickings, really. Mm. So I wonder if it is to do with the fact that, you know, the pr- production uh, Yeah, the inability I think it was, to produce them fast enough.
2: They couldn't produce them fa- Well, you know, you can't get the white iPhones yet because of yeah, no,
0: they've difficulties delayed difficulties with the manufacturing
2: mm. of those. So the white iPhone 4s aren't out yet. So obviously, yeah, they just could not produce enough. And, well, New Zealand, we always get a small battering that they manage to divert away from Australia. There have been many times where there's been a product launch that's supposed to launch in Australasia on a specific date, but it never launches in New Zealand on that date because Australia takes and keeps the whole shipment that comes through.
0: Well, actually, one of the things I heard was uh, a similar thing, but on, on the larger scale in that in the US, they'd consumed so many iPhone 4s, that, you know, there was so many purchased that the rest of the world just dipped out really as a whole. Yeah. And uh, I guess you have got to look after number one. I mean, that's an American company. You got to look after the Americans. That's mm-hmm. you know. But um, wow! So now, Sam, is it is it worth getting? I mean, I mean, I know you, you'll probably say yes now because you don't want to feel like you've <laughs> you shell <laughs> out over a thousand bucks for nothing. But really, is, is it worth getting?
1: Yes, uh, definitely.
0: What's the retina display like? Is it really? Is it really as crisp and?
1: It's stunning, really. Uh, you turn it on, and it's the first thing you notice. It's just. Compared to the other model, 3GS, the 3G miles apart.
0: So you can actually you can tell you can put them side by side and tell that the uh, iPhone 4 was a, a crisper display.
1: Yeah, instantly it looks better than um, a glossy magazine. Really? Yeah. Wow. It's just really good.
0: I gotta see one. I Gotta did see you one get your of those.
1: free jacket. Uh, I did. There's an app you download and then start it up, and there's about ten models of cases you can get from Belkin and another manufacturer.
0: Which one did you get?
1: I was going to pick the bumper, but I saw a tweet from John Grubber of During Fireball, the Mac blog, and he said um, he put it on and then he took it off because it was, made the phone a bit clunky to hold. And it also doesn't protect the back of it, um, which is glass. Um, so I got a Belkin case, which covers the back and the sides.
0: And you're happy with You've got it now?
1: No. Well, it's on um, the way still. Estimated date of arrival is the 8th of September, actually.
0: The oh tumor. god!
1: Oh, no, you're gonna have to be careful with it before <laughs> then. Then <Yeah.
2: laughs> make sure you don't get any stray scratches and nicks on it.
0: Yeah. No, well, actually, uh, also the reception as well. You're gonna have to be careful how you hold that thing until you get that. The yeah,
2: exactly. Don't hold it in your hand by the bottom.
0: Bottom left, isn't it? Yeah. Have you actually? Yeah. You turned it on and all that. You've connected it up to Vodafone or not yet? Yeah,
1: it's all connected. That was the, the probably the first thing I tested actually, and there's absolutely no problem. I've held it every which way possible, put my fingers over the gaps and so on, and I haven't made the single drop once. And I live in the country as well, um, and I get maybe one or two bars of signal. And even then, I haven't managed to drop it down.
0: Oh, really? Oh, yeah. excellent.
1: Maybe that could be another reason why
2: it's been delayed and why there's been so few. Maybe they're actually making a <laughs> a hardware fix and just not telling anybody about it.
1: Could be. Um Well, I've heard reports from Australia and other countries that they've had no problems either, which sort of points the issue at um, AT AT&T instead of the actual iPhone, but Mm -hmm. who knows.
2: But then this is also after the the latest iPhone OS 4
1: patch, isn't it? That's true, yeah, the 4.01 update.
0: Sam, how about we give you a call and test it? You okay with that? Yeah, sure. Now, you did mention you live in the country, so your signal strength is pretty weak anyway, right?
1: Yeah, kind of sitting on about one bar of signal.
0: Ooh, crawl. okay, we'll see how we go. We'll put it through anyway, just for a a yeah, bit of fun. All right, here we go. Oh, there we go. That's your phone, Sam, I think. Well, I hope it is, unless I've someone else. Hello. Hello, is that you, Sam? Yes, it is. Hey, you're on the iPhone 4. I am, yep. woo all righty. <laughs> yeah. Hey, can you do something for us, just for a bit of a joke? Can you put your hand over the... <laughs> for, uh, you know, left bottom left corner. We'll see if we lose bottom you. Bottom left. You? Yep, I'm sort of tapping it with my hand. All oh, right, and you're still there. Yeah, i still. I can hear you crystal clear. Oh, yeah. on one bar. Wow. On one, yeah, that's <laughs> mm, interesting. Very interesting. That is very interesting.
2: Well, Makes we, me we should... wonder whether or not they did do a sneaky fix, not tell anybody.
0: Yeah, it could be, or it could be just an AT and T thing. Who knows? Yep. All right. Thanks for doing that for us, Sam. Yeah, no problem. So that sounded quite good. And you, and you so you were cupping the, the whole bottom of the phone?
1: Pretty much. I was touching as much metal and gaps as I possibly could.
0: Very good. Uh, and it still worked. Wow. There we go. We have to send that to Steve, uh, Steve Jobs. Yeah. I'd like <laughs> to hear about that. It works. <laughs> uh, well, you know, one test doesn't really tell you much. But um, <laughs> is it, Now, that wouldn't be the first call you received, though, is it? No. Right. So you've, you've had a bit of a play and it seems all good? It's, yeah, it seems fine. Wow. Very good. I might have to consider one of those. I really mm. want to check out that, uh, that display because, you know, this has been all the yeah,
1: yeah. hype. What's the camera like? Uh, the camera is really good as well, um, especially the best part of the video. It takes really clear video.
2: Oh, excellent.
0: What's the resolution on the, on the video? In terms of the quality, it's good. Um, but the aspect
1: ratio is kind of funny it's because it's uh, wider than 16.9. So it makes for interesting videos when you take it onto your computer.
0: All right. <laughs> so it's, a, it's sort of an odd aspect ratio.
1: It's like a super wide screen.
0: Oh, okay. Right. All right. So, Sam, enjoy that iPhone because uh, do they tell you when any more are going to come into the country? Well, they- if you look on the
1: Vodafone website, it's, um, you can order now or on the Apple website and it says expecting delivery two to three weeks.
0: Oh, okay. So oh, not, not, God. Well, it's not too far away still, really. No. Well, I mean, we're, not ta- <laughs> we're not talking mumps like the jacket. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, okay. Well, that's not too bad. Alrighty, so um, enjoy that iPhone while you can because you're one of the few people in the country, in this country anyway, to own an iPhone 4. Yeah. Wow, awesome. All right, so moving on. Uh, now, the big news that happened this week that you really kind of missed, unless you lived under a rock, and that is that a huge amount of war logs were published to WikiLeaks, much mm-hmm. to the uh, annoyance of the U.S. military and, and oh, in fact, the U.S. Indeed. government in, in general.
2: <laughs> well, yes. Definitely. It's the largest disclosure of uh, confidential war documents ever, isn't it?
0: I, I'd say so, yeah. Huge amount of stuff has been released. Huge
2: then. amount of stuff. And a lot, an incredibly large amount of stuff, which was not known to the public at all.
0: Is it shocking so stuff just, or is it...
2: Well, it is. Some of it is quite damning. It does paint a much Bleaker picture on the U.S. military action in Afghanistan and how the war there is progressing. It includes a large number of unreported civilian casualties and also friendly fire incidents, which were not previously reported. Right? Is that what? You yeah, are? which were not previously reported. It had quite a bit to talk about. A special task force. What was it? Three two three or something? Three seven three. Task force three seven three. And the reports that were leaked uh, have this particular task force engaged in certain actions which had been reported in the, you know, released by the U.S. military as having been done by the, the Afghan army or somebody else.
0: Oh, I see. So to the public, they're saying one thing, but these log files that have been uh, leaked to WikiLeaks tell another story. Yeah. Interesting. It's-
2: it is. It is quite interesting, and it's it it's notable for its you know the significant amount of information that is out there, and obviously the the, the U.S. military and the U.S. government and the other governments involved in the coalition in the war in Afghanistan. Um, ghanistan uh you know probably not happy about this leak these leaks whatsoever but Definitely it does not. kind of, hmm. yeah but it does kind of get into that the the purpose of wikileaks is like bringing that transparency of these governments and multinational things into the spotlight showing people the truth of what's happening and most people are pretty behind that it's it's good to know when your government is doing the dirty on you and pretending it isn't. But the the most contentious thing I think about the, the release here is the fact that included in this release are the names and identifying details of informants within the, the Afghan population. And that's, that's what that's the bit that niggles me the most about it, because it's like it's, it's yeah, <laughs> it flips on both sides of the the privacy coin here. Um, yeah, see that's a mine, difficult one, isn't is it? Disclosure and transparency of the wrongdoing of um, governments and military. Those should be, you know, those should be made public. If your military accidentally kills civilians but doesn't tell you about it, that's worse than it's. Accidentally killing civilians and it's admitting that it made a mistake. So the release of that information is, you know, I support that wholeheartedly. But the release of personally identifying information that puts those people's lives at risk in a war zone, that niggles against me.
0: Yeah, I mean, so that's, know that's <laughs> a difficult one, isn't it? Because, but yeah, it you is know, a they difficult wouldn't have had one. time to go through, would they? These lo- I mean, there's huge amount of logs. We're oh, no, talking about. they would all through it.
2: They poured through it. The, um, well, before publishing, uh, the yeah. The editor of WikiLeaks said he poured through it, and he gave a reason for releasing the identifying information, saying that the 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 knowledge being out there was more important than the personal risk that it might place those people in. And he said that he withholds you know, several thousand or dozens of thousands, even of other names and material because they were of that person identifying sensitive nature that would put other people at risk. But the ones that he did release, he, in his own endeavours to you know, verify it, have has determined that the knowing of that information is more important.
0: One of the comments I was going to make when I was first thinking about the story was whether the US government would try and shut down WikiLeaks. But then I realised that and the US military probably realizes this as well, that it's too late. It's out there now. Once yeah. once it's out there, it's everywhere. Once it's on WikiLeaks, it's, it's, you it's know, everywhere. within
2: minutes of it being on WikiLeaks, it's everywhere. Yeah,
0: you, yeah exactly. <laughs> they could
2: not pull it off the internet if they tried.
0: No, but I reckon Julian Assange should lie low for a little bit.
2: <laughs> well, he definitely won't be wanting to make any trips to the united states no
0: definitely not (laughs) i want to stay in sweden
2: i did read a um a snippet about another researcher who'd been waylaid entering the united states and questioned about wikileaks oh really (laughs) yeah Yeah. i have no idea who the researcher was because as i said it was only a snippet but i thought that was quite interesting
0: well if he as i say if he stays in sweden he's probably reasonably safe i guess but uh yeah yeah now, speaking of uh, security researchers, have, did you see the, the one about the ATM hacking, Barnaby Jack? Yeah, yeah. That is amazing. So, so this guy, Barnab- by the name of Barnaby Jack, he in fact was uh, born here in New Zealand, uh, but he lives in the States. He he demonstrated with a couple of ATMs, generic branded ATMs, not not specific bank ones, how you can eff- effectively hijack them to and, and cause them to spit out uh, their entire contents of money just like that. Mm-hmm. Using yeah. uh, different techniques, such as punching, in, uh, you know, special codes, or inserting a a, a special, special pre-prepared card. card. Yep, yep.
2: Or doing some uh, hardware hacking, getting access to certain parts of the the electronic components within it to install software on the machine to make it do these different things. So, yeah, it's <laughs> quite Should an we- interesting demonstration.
0: Should we be worried?
2: Uh, not really. The companies that he Purchased Because he purchased these two ATM machines that he demonstrated on.
0: Um, yeah, he owns the ins- them, yeah.
2: Yeah, he owns those ones. He notified the manufacturers of the different methods of attack and they have already released patches and fixes. They released them last year, in fact. He's He's known about it for quite some time. He just hasn't presented on it until now.
0: But not only that, but even if an ATM... Of your bank has that vulnerability, they can not get into your account, right? All, all he's doing is basically stealing the money from the machine. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's just emptying the machine. Right. None of it so identifies so he, personal information or, or account details or that sort of thing. Though he never mentioned whether or not that would also be possible, having once got you know once having gotten that access to it.
0: Ah, well, yeah, let's not underestimate him.
2: Yeah, because one of the one of the ways that he did it was by tricking the machine, uh, because the well where the money's stored is in a well-secured vault part of the machine. And these are freestanding ATMs. None of, the, none of his methods work on the, you know, wall-built ones that banks use within themselves. These are the freestanding ones you might find in, um, you know, 7-Elevens.
0: Airports uh, and so on.
2: Yeah, airports and stuff. And casinos, in fact. And the money itself is stored within a, a, a hard and secure vault. But the motherboard that controls the, you know, the motherboard, the, part of the controls, that is the computer that runs the whole thing, is only protected by a a metal housing with a generic key on the two models of uh, ATM that he had. And he was able to trick the computer into, by getting access to the motherboard, trick it into thinking the firmware that he was installing was an update. And so it would install it. And one of them was a rootkit. So... (laughs) If anybody knows anything about rootkits, they're they're pretty neat when you get them on there. Uh, If you're the person putting them on there, they're absolutely horrendous for the end user.
0: Um, Nasty, nasty stuff.
2: And if he could do that, I'm sure he would be able to do with that sort of access, be able to skim card numbers and account details off of people who utilize the ATM instead of just getting it to spit the money out.
0: But one of the techniques he used in there was to trick it that it, it was spitting out $1 bills.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a, a um, more common attack. That's an attack that's been used previously.
0: Right. So you, Oh, right. Okay, so you trick it into thinking that it's, it's dishing out yeah, a low denomination. Yeah, are using, a, a, using all-
2: a, a, um, a settings menu on the, the specific version of the ATM machine. Yeah, you could tell it that the, the, the cash in, you know, the cash in draw number one is $1 bills, not $20 bills. And so, when you then actually put your card in and say that you want to withdraw twenty dollars from your account, it deducts twenty dollars from your account, and it issues you four hundred twenty-one dollar bills yeah. out of its one dollar bill draw.
0: Well, which what, happened to be which twenty dollar bills. bills. Yeah, so exactly. you get four hundred bucks. Yeah, exactly. Well, in fact, I remember a story right here in Wellington. There was an ATM that was spitting out, I think, double, and I think it was to to do with. Um, well, that setting, it was told that it was it had ten dollar bills instead of twenty, and it was uh, people were getting double their money. And um, it, it quickly, you know, people kind of spread the message, but the police shut it down. Eventually, uh, not long after, but whether that was a misconfiguration or a hack, I don't know. But mm. uh, who, yeah, do you, do you remember that story at all, Brett?
2: I don't remember that story. Do you happen to remember where it was?
0: Yeah, it was in yeah, it was in Cuba Mall in Wellington.
2: Oh, I know exactly which one it is because it's, it's not there anymore. And for like half a week, there was a security guard standing in front of it.
0: Ah, that'll be the one. There you go. Yeah. That's it. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> that would be it. Yeah, it was a, week, a couple of a few years ago now though. Mm. All righty, want to move on to uh, Microsoft's answer to Street View? Now they've built something that they call I think Street Slide.
2: Yes, yeah, Street Slide.
0: It's kind of like. If you're fam- it's hard to describe it. If you're familiar with uh, Google Street, panorama photos, yeah. yeah. It's kind of like that, but you can zoom out and see a kind of a panorama of a street as if you're kind of standing back from it, like a cutaway, I guess. It's kind of the best I can describe a zoomed out cutaway. Mm. Is that probably a good way of uh, describing it? Yeah. Well, it's, it's like. The, well,
2: I liken it to looking at a, a film strip all laid out except it's a film, street that run, a film strip that runs from one end of the street to the other end of the street of one side of the street.
0: I like the first word you used, a film street. <laughs> fact that that's going to be the title of the show. It's a f- film street. I like that. You've coined a new term. <laughs> that's what they should call it, Microsoft Film Street. Well, yeah, but they've
2: decided to call it Street Slide because it's an a, you know, a add-on to their street side.
0: Oh, I see. Street yep. View yep. Yep. clone. It's it's nice. I like it. In fact, oh, it's brilliant. It, it's it brilliant. makes
2: it so much yeah, easier. To, it does so much easier to, you know, find where you're going, to follow along what you're doing, and so much quicker.
0: It's it is just great. scrolling it's along great. instead
2: of clicking your button to yeah. move along the road.
0: Sam, have you tried
1: it? I did. Oh, well, I haven't tried it, but I saw the YouTube video they put up.
0: What do you think about it?
1: Um, I think it looks very cool. Uh, it's a bit clunky. Interface
2: at present, but it's, it seems like it's in research oh. phase anyway. Yeah, yeah. It, it's definitely a research version <laughs> of an interface because yeah. look how dinky their little buttons and stuff are at the bottom. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the yellow stop sign with the little symbol in it.
0: Well, they might but keep those, the, I don't know.
2: The – oh, the, just the functionality of it. The fact that as you follow along the, the strip, if the road is level, the, the strip is level. But if the road starts to incline up or down, the strip – tilts up and down so that you're following as if you're following along on the road.
0: Yeah, exactly. So you can and, and that's see kind of the, the, I mean, the... like a cutaway. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, that's brilliant.
2: Yeah, you can see the top, the topography of the, the landscape when you zoom all the way back. And it's great. You can flip to look at the other side and zoom in as you go to each of what they call bubbles, the section of 360 panorama, just like Google Street View. It's, Yeah.
0: What's, it's what's the bet that Google's going to do the same thing on their interface? <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. One well, of the was... other
2: things I thought which was really neat is, you know, um, Street View has the, the, you know, insert within their panorama shots where you can click on the, the shop and the shop might have a, a sign and the, it takes you to the web page and those sorts of things. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah.
2: With the street slide, when you zoom out, it puts all of those as little shop signs below the street panorama. So it's really easy to find stuff. Yeah, it's really easy to find. Just look for the
0: logo. Look for the seven eleven 11 logo. Yeah.
2: It's very, very neat. I think it's cool.
0: Absolutely. I give it a 10 out of 10.
2: Yep. And it will not surprise me if we see something similar coming from, (laughs) coming to Google Street View. Yeah, I reckon it surprises me that Google did not think of it
0: first. I know, and I think that I know, and this comes back to what I was saying in some of the previous podcasts that I think Microsoft have realised that they need to innovate.
2: Yeah, they can't just catch up. They no. can't play catch up to Google. They have to leapfrog it.
0: Absolutely. They have so to they're take take they're the playing read catch up everywhere, in a lot of other places, really. I mean, they do they, have uh, some. Some unique products, and you know the, the office suite, for example, of applications is fantastic. They've got Office Online; that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. But um, a, a lot in a lot of other areas, such as their mobile phone platform, although this might change with their Seven series, but up until then, it's it's all been catch up. Their their search engine Bing is is, is still in catch up mode. It's yep. the the the, uh, the relevance of the results are absolutely abysmal. I, I've tried it, I've tried Bing a number of times. It's absolutely terrible. You search for boy put it this way: search for boys of tech on Bing. And you'll get, oh, you just get a couple of links. And you do that on Google and you get a whole heap more. Mm. But anyway, absolutely brilliant from Microsoft.
2: Yeah. Some excellent innovation
0: from Redmond. Good one. So we all approve, yeah? Very cool stuff. Yep. Awesome. All right, on to the man, Ron Bowes, uh, who basically published a whole heap of personal information of Facebook users. More than 100 million. Facebook users, yeah. Yeah, had had their uh, details... uh, Trawled, I guess, and, and published.
2: Yeah, yep. published in one big chunk.
0: Now, what he actually did was, uh, he says it was part of uh, some work he was doing on a, on a new security tool he was developing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what he, what he says he got is, he basically harvested a whole heap of information that is already public, like your name and, I guess, your yeah. location and that kind of stuff.
2: And if you're a person who hasn't properly set your... Privacy settings, you know, maybe a lot more information. Well, yeah, if,
0: if you've chosen to, um, either by ignorance or, or by choice, yeah, um, in the Facebook yeah. settings to, to have people see more than, than just those inf- bits of information, then, yeah, those might be there as well. But yeah. uh, he's been criticised by a lot of people, but we have to remember that he's, all he's really done is taken a whole yeah. bunch of data he's that we could have got anything. anyway. He's just made he's it not, easier.
2: He's not done anything illegal. Facebook you know, is not concerned whatsoever because every single bite of that information that he has published is publicly available. It is not. It's not he's hacked your, you know, hacked Facebook accounts and has gotten identifying information that people had set as private or anything like that. It is stuff that people through either, as you said, through ignorance or through purpose, through design, have made public on Facebook. And Facebook provides all of that public information to search engines and everything else, this is just the first time that somebody's actually taken that extra step and compiled it all into an incredibly easily searchable data set.
0: Now, I know you use Facebook, but Sam, do you use Facebook as well? Yeah, I use it quite often. What do you make of this?
1: Well, it's like he could have done the same thing for yellowpages.com, just trawled that for everyone's names and it's exactly the same thing. Exactly. So it is exactly you, the same thing.
0: So, have you guys, I don't have you. Any of you two looked at the downloaded this set of data?
2: No. What are you I talking don't. about? It's two point seven nine gigabytes of traffic that I don't need. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like we have free internet here.
0: Well, what I was yeah, well, what I was going to ask was whether you guys had uh, checked whether your names appear on there. And but if it did, it wouldn't bother you, right? No,
2: because no. that part of the information is is publicly available. And I I set it to be publicly available so that I could actually be findable on Facebook. Though it wouldn't have any, you know, it would have very little other information about me because I set my privacy settings.
0: (laughs) So this is to me, this is a little bit like those MP3 search engines that find MP3s. Well, actually, no, that's not a bad analogy because those can be illegal. Yeah. it's That's a bad analogy, but it's... It, it, it's it's the white pages. Yeah, it's the white pages. That's Yeah, that's really what it is, isn't it? He's just done a yep. white pages index, if you like. An yep. index, that's what it is. It's an index of, of Google. Of, yep. of Sorry, Facebook.
2: It's yeah. a, an index of 20%, 20% of Facebook yeah. users. But yeah, it's, it's just an index of what's already publicly available. You could yourself, if you wanted to, go to Facebook and trawl through all 500 plus million users and get the public information and compile it into a directory. There's nothing stopping you and there's nothing to stop him. So yeah, I think it's a little more of that, just that scare tactic. Person has details of 100 million users and not that long ago, we had the you know, supposed hacker who had hacked the private details of 100 plus million
0: Facebook Yeah, now that's users. different, isn't it?
2: That's completely different.
0: Was that the Russian so, guy?
2: Yeah, that's the, the, the Russian guy. Yeah, the, the Russian guy who did not
0: live in... Who did not live in, yes. in New Zealand, yeah. Kirlos. Kirlos. Yep.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is completely different. This is yep. um, 100% legit. And I think it's just media spotlight on it. And people instantly jump to... The previous thing that happened on Facebook and what's that about? It's always about privacy. So, this is obviously something bad. But psh, <laughs> storming a
0: teacup. So you can are you happy with your security settings on Facebook, Brett?
2: Yes, I'm only unhappy about them when Facebook go and change things without letting us know or letting us decide, and by having open defaults.
0: Sam. Yeah, um, i when
1: they updated it a couple of months ago, it was a bit confusing. But the new release, it's pretty straightforward. They break it down rather nicely, and it's pretty easy to see where your information is visible and where it's not.
0: So you've mm. gone through, on your account, you know exactly what, you know, you've locked down what you want locked down.
1: Yeah. yeah? The, at the most, my the friends of my friends can see some information, but anything personal is just friends only.
0: Yeah, because I got a bit of a, um, what do you call it, they got a bit of negative backlash over some of their um their settings and i think one of the things that really annoyed this is kind of another story so we won't get go into this but just to mention it that one of the things that people didn't like i think was when they changed versions or or, or released a, you know a, a new update to facebook the uh the defaults would change back is that right for new settings so you get a new set, a set of settings privacy settings and and the default you wouldn't retain what you had before you would have to go back and reset them all
2: yeah, yeah, they did that several times, especially yeah, for their that's... groups, for their um creating groups of friends functionality. They they changed that. I think they've changed it at least twice.
0: Has that has that does that still happen, or to, is that, does that does not happen it. anymore?
2: I haven't noticed them overwriting any of my already set up settings, except for the things where they bring in you know new features which haven't had a previous one, and so then it's right, just well, that, that makes
0: sense. Fancy, yeah.
2: yeah, go through and change. But no, they they haven't recently annoyed me by you know, undoing all of my groups.
0: <laughs> all right. I want to move on to the BitTorrent story. Now, I'm not going to ask you guys whether you use BitTorrent because you're just going to say no anyway, but... <laughs> well, no. I use
2: BitTorrent. It's how Blizzard Games does all of their patch releases.
0: Ah, yeah. You've got an answer for everything, don't you, Brett? Yep. <laughs> no, fair enough. And look, but the thing, the story, a story came out not long ago, in fact, well, this week, that a study reckons that somewhere between 89% and 99.7% of content on BitTorrent is illegal. Really? Now that really? Because that goes, the reason I thought we'd mention this story is that goes against what we were told a while ago uh, in the in the news. It must have been last year or something. In one of the early podcast episodes, we reported this, that mm-hmm. I think, was it 80% is legal? That was yeah. the claim? Well, but once the,
2: again, I'm it completely point. depends on your your sample. What is your sample data? Did you did they actually come to these figures based on the actual hundred percent BitTorrent torrent file population, or did they take a subset? And how big of a subset? Where did they get that subset from? Did they focus in specific areas? Did they only use? major torrent sites all of these things influence this these stats yeah
0: but it was random and this is a thing this is how you do you know they they've said they they took a thousand torrent files and it a was 1000 complete...
2: torrent files of the millions of torrents that would be out there
0: so you you you're saying too small a sample to,
2: to I'm saying too small a sample if you want to make a claim that all of these head... it's all about these headlines again it's about these big in-your-face headlines saying, oh, only 0.3% of files on BitTorrents confirmed to be legal. Confirmed to be legal through 0.3%. No, 0.3% of a sample size of 1,000 BitTorrents were confirmed to be legal. Yeah, but when they, do, <laughs> when they do these,
0: it's a bit like the polls for the for elections, general elections. They they know what their margin of error is.
2: But they never say it. It annoys the
0: hell out of me. We you can only make me.
2: can only make statements like that if it's based on 100% of the population that you are, you know, tracking. Otherwise, your stats are meaningless. They only matter to your population sample. They don't matter to, you can extrapolate, but... With 1,000 torrent files taken at random from a population of, you know, million-plus torrent files from all of the different torrent trackers out there.
0: I don't know. I'm, I'm actually buying this, and I, I tell you why, because it also goes roughly with the uh, another study from Princeton. They came up with a, a similar result, that 99% of the files are uh, infringing copyright. And I wouldn't be surprised. Surely, that, that, you know, when we reported that first story last year or whenever it was, that 80% of stuff on BitTorrent <coughs> is, is legal, I'm, I was kind of like, yeah, right.
2: Yeah, well, I, I thought that was way out as well. But once again, depending on what, their, what trackers they used, what torrents they looked at, and how big their sample was, depends on, you know, what sort of confidence you can actually have in the legitimacy of those statistical claims.
0: Part of me is actually interested in this and the other part of me thinks, well, actually, look, who cares? <laughs> I mean, who cares what's out there?
2: Yeah, well, <laughs> the part of me that's most interested in this is the the part of me which hates people abusing statistics and making stupid statements—a <laughs> stupid statements of a global population based on a small subset of that population. It's bad stats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but even then, it's like most of it is other people's interpretations of the statistics. One of the researchers from the University of Ballarat actually responded to Torrent Freak's concerns and criticisms about their study. And he actually came back with, you know, this is done and published openly so that other people can, you know, go through the methodology and do the samples and replicate the results or attempt to replicate the results or come up with results which are different. And... Through his response, you could really see that he's talking about his sample size. These are things based on his sample size, his sample population, whereas in the rest of the news story, it's, it's constantly talking about BitTorrent as a, an entity itself, which you know is the entire BitTorrent population, not the subset that he looked at. That's what irks me.
0: <laughs> well, so so what you're saying is... That's my rant also, for today. <laughs> so your your rant is pretty much lies, damn lies, and statistics.
2: Exactly. Do you know there's a
0: Wikipedia article named that, did you know? <laughs> would not surprise me.
2: <laughs> there's an article on
0: everything in Wikipedia.
2: So, so really, if I actually read the paper that the university put out, I would probably be quite accepting of the results that they came out with. But it's the... You
0: know, it's how they have interpret it. Yes, Yes. news
2: media's interpretation of the results of their study, (laughs) which takes their statistics and you know applies their percentages, their proportions to the global population, when you can't do that. You can only apply those statistics to the sample population, without having you know having to supply your confidence levels in how confident you are that that. Percentage actually would apply to the the, the global population as well. i'm
0: um, you know, I'm, gl- I'm glad you've had your say, Brett, because it's, the show's never complete without a rant from you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm sure you bring up these stories just so that I go. Yeah,
0: where, where's my wind up, Brit story for for this week? <laughs> yeah. All right. Look, that's the. You know what? We've covered the international stories. Uh, I want to take a small musical interlude and then uh, go into our uh, New Zealand stories. Uh, and you know what? We'll be nice to Sam. Uh, we're going to play one of his uh, one of his tracks. Sam, what's the name of your band? The bandarin. Uh, the Echoes. The Echoes. All righty. So, uh, tell you what, I'm going to get you to pick a song. What's a good uh, little track that we can uh, slot in there? What would you like us to play?
1: Yeah, we've got a, a bluesy seventies rock number called called Grim. That might
0: be Grim. Good. All right, here it is. Now, here's the intro already. We'll have a quick listen to that. and When we come back, we'll cover the New Zealand stories for this week. Look around. then to go, and I gotta take your soul,
1: yeah, on my list, but don't
0: worry, you won't be missed, last heartbeat. Oh, what an awesome track love that absolutely fantastic and actually Sam can people get your music anywhere it's not you, have you got it available for, for download or for sale it's
1: free for download if you go to grooveshark.com and search for the echoes so, um,
0: grooveshark.com and search for the echoes yeah yeah excellent stuff awesome so that was a track called Grim thank you very much for letting us play that it's fantastic all right, our one New Zealand story I want to talk about, apart from the release of the iPhone 4, which we talked about at the beginning of the show, is Hell Pizza's website being hacked. Did you mm-hmm. guys see that?
2: I did see that story. Yeah.
0: So someone's actually got into Hell Pizza. Hell, you know, for those of you outside New Zealand, uh, Hell is one of our uh, several pizza companies here, but it was a homegrown one, wasn't it? It's, it's not one of the overseas chains.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a homegrown one, which is now overseas. You can get Hell Pizza in London.
0: Yeah. That's right. And uh, so, yeah, someone's actually managed to hack in and get a whole heap of uh, personal information, passwords, emails, addresses, home addresses, phone numbers, Mm -hmm. and actually orders as well. So you can see why people have ordered... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if You really
2: care, yes. But they've, you know, specifically targeted some of the well-known New Zealand celebrities.
0: Yeah, and w- well, yeah. There's well, there's over two hundred thirty thousand customers have uh, have been caught up on this. But mm-hmm. well, potentially, we they don't know exactly. But you know, the, how are Pizza's reckons it's from a former employee. Mm, they suspect a former employee. But would you really be that dumb? I mean, if you worked for a pizza company, <sighs> would you then go and hack their site, or you know, go people, through the back door? People can
2: do. Really silly things. How do you think most malware and spyware and stuff gets out there? People do silly things.
0: <laughs> but really, I mean, you'd be you'd be suspected. You, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to say well, about the story. Yeah, it's, yeah. If, if it is, if it isn't an ex-employee, I just think it's one of the most stupid things you could ever do. Uh, it's dumb enough doing it anyway. But yeah, well, yeah.
2: maybe he thought he knew more than he did, and was covering his tracks. Well.
0: Brett, I see you ordered two meat lovers, you glutton. And Sam, you like the Hawaiian. <laughs> no, I made that up because it's probably wrong, right?
2: Yeah, indeed, because it would be, I see you ordered two lusts, and Sam, you like the greed.
0: Oh, that's what they call them. Yeah, I haven't ordered from hell for a long time. <laughs> but that's right, those names are coming back. Yeah, lust and greed, those are pizzas I've ordered. Yep, uh, before, but uh, yeah, they don't call them. Oh, that.
2: they've got... Uh, they're a large range. They've gone past the Seven Deadly Sins.
0: Oh, really? Mm-hmm. It's been a while since I brought
2: time. out one specifically to, to celebrate the Lord of the Rings when Lord of the Rings was coming out called Mordor. It's one of my favourites. That is a
1: good one. Yeah.
0: I have to try that one. I haven't tried, like I say, I haven't tried hell for a long, long time. All right, I want to wrap up the show. Sam, thank you very much for joining us.
1: It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: That's okay, and thank you for uh, doing that little test on the iPhone. That's great. Now, I'm, I'm trusting you that it really was your iPhone 4 and not some, I don't know, droid or something. Or, uh, <laughs> <laughs> <your> iPhone 4? <laughs> Good stuff. Now, uh, Sam, where can people find you on the net? Uh, I've got a
1: blog. Uh, one of these days, blog.com or um, samdalton.co.nz or Twitter, uh, dalton.
0: And you've also got a company, I think, called Vital Link Group. Is that right? That's right, yeah. Just, I, just briefly, what does that do? What, what, what do you do there? What's your product
1: so we're a technology startup that connect the distributors of fair trade products um, to users on social networks like facebook or twitter
0: so you've you've got a facebook app
1: yeah we've got a facebook app
0: and what does it let you do there if i, if I go into that what can i do so you
1: can send one of your friends a gift that's a fair trade product um you just give, put in their name their address choose a gift and it'll arrive on their doorstep in a few days
0: that's fantastic oh, you were talking like chocolate coffee that kind of stuff
1: yeah and also the um handicrafts like gloves and instruments oh, All right, just, okay yeah that
0: feels, uh, that's brilliant that's that's absolutely fantastic very good so uh, vital Link group is the name of your your uh, company and how do they how do people find the, the app on Facebook for uh,
1: uh just go Facebook click on a search type vital link which should come up
0: right it's under that name is it vital link awesome good stuff all right Sam, thanks once again for joining us it's a pleasure to have you on the show Thank you and Brett thank you once again for co-hosting the show with me Always a pleasure, Ed. All right, that's episode 77 wrapped up. Let's do episode 78 next week. We'll see you all again then. Take care, everyone. Goodbye.